gonna say it But somebody should Let's talk about tune time Let's talk about bum wine Yeah, asking the questions that nobody should Like who are the bone thugs and are they in harmony? Ta-da. Hey, everybody. That was a, a new rendition of an old song. What do you think? I loved it. Also, I, I like when anyone does anything. You know, it feels like I'm doing most of the work around here. But once in a while, someone comes out of the woodwork, which is also work that I did, even though it's attributed to the wood, and uh, does something, something real nice. So it's appreciated. And the creator, you know, the creator slash listener who gave us that song um, deserves a reward of some kind. And I was trying to decide what the best reward would be. I think I've settled on something. Um, I think that what the reward should be is that person should get to uh, decide the topic of an episode. So this can be something... Um, of your choosing. It could be anything. Now, this could be, like, something I know a lot about. So it could be one of about five things. Or it could be something I know nothing about. And maybe I'll do some research and learn about it and uh, give a real stirring, uh, you know, thing. Or maybe I'll just kind of go into it blind and um, we'll see what happens. You know, it just it kind of depends. Depends on the topic and how interested I am. This could be a, uh, you know, tell us the tale of XYZ. I don't know how much there's left on the table. I don't know that there's a lot of helpful snowman lore out there that hasn't been explored. Unexplored lore of helpful snowman. But uh, if there is something out there, we could do that. Um, it can be a rehash of an old, an old tale of uh, times gone by. That uh, maybe I, maybe I feel differently about now, or reflect on it, or maybe it's you know not reflective and uh, somber. Maybe it's like goofy as hell. Who knows? That's that's the beauty of this prize. I don't have to pick it. <laughs> so I gave you a minor chore as a prize. Um, I hope you love it. And, you know, you can decide something now. Uh, you could decide something whenever you feel like it. How's that sound? If that's a good prize, you just let me know. If that's a lousy prize, um, also let me know, but in a nice way. Because I kind of know it's, in a way, a lousy prize. And uh, maybe maybe I'll figure out something else, if you hate it. So... Um, we have a couple couple minor things to catch up on. Um, one is <laughs> the bonus episode this month is an interesting one. Um, I did a scheme, a heist, maybe you'd call it, uh, a thing. Poonmaster Flex uh, likes to call this chaos, Pete. She says there are certain 
certain elements of Pete that just like chaos. And whatever causes sort of, not, not chaos like, you know, blowing something up and hurting people, but just confusion. Light confusion. Um, making the world a little bit more interesting place is how I put it. And she says, no, that's chaos. And I say, well, that's not unfair. I'm, w I'm willing to accept that. So, um, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, that's what you're missing out on this month. So just a heads up. Um, if you were to subscribe, that's what you'd get. Also, there's like probably almost 50 or almost 60 episodes at this point. And, uh, as soon as you subscribe, you can go back and listen to all the ones in the back catalog. So really it's like getting, I don't know, two years of this show. Um you know, two years of episodes in a way. I mean, I don't have to tell you. I It would be dumb for me to tell you that you could just subscribe, download everything, and then unsubscribe. And I think you'd only have to pay $2. Um, that would be dumb for me to say. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm not going to say that other than in the context of saying it would be so dumb for me to say. Uh, speaking of dumb, so I was I was uh, at home working, as I am wont to do these days, and uh, the doorbell rang and was knocked on. Not, they didn't knock on the door, but they, whatever. This is the worst show. Um, the door was knocked on and the doorbell rang, and so I answered it, and there were two young girls at the door. I'm pretty sure one of them was involved in the ding-dong-ditch scandal of 2019 maybe uh, maybe it was 2020 I don't even remember but um, Poon Master Flex enjoys telling the tale of how I handled that because so we had someone who was ding dong ditching us and we weren't sure who it was um, but then once finally I was like ready and I caught them you know I caught I caught a little girl running away and so then, you know, I saw her running away and I walked to where she was standing with a friend and was like, hey, stop ringing our doorbell. And she pointed to her friend and was like, she told me or she dared me to do it or something. And I was like, I don't care why you did it. Just don't do it again. And, you know, she said something. I think she also was like, I didn't do it. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not discussing whether or not you did it. I'm telling you not to do it again. This is a this is a technique I learned for dealing with older children and teens from my library job. Do not argue with them over whether or not they did the thing. Because, you know, you saw them do the thing. Usually in the library, this was someone running, right? And it's like, look, I don't particularly care if someone runs a little in the library. But when they're a teenager, I'm like, eh, you should know better. And also I'm like, look, you're going to crash into some like grandma or something. And then that's fucked up. And you just don't need to run inside. Like, it's unnecessary. So, you know, and they'd always be like, I wasn't doing anything. And I'd be like, I wouldn't be talking to you if you weren't doing anything. And it's kind of just like, look, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm not happy that this is part of my life, that disciplining teenagers and telling them not to run, which is something they know they're not supposed to do. I am no more uh, enjoying this than you are. I'm probably enjoying this less than you are, even though you're the one being reprimanded.
and so, but what I learned is like, you don't argue with them, you know, whatever, whatever excuse they make, whatever argument they make, you just immediately train wreck that and say, I don't care what you're telling me right now. I'm telling you that if I see you running again, I'm going to give you the boot. That's it. Doesn't matter if you did it before or not. Are we clear? And then you go away. And then usually they, 50-50, mm, they'll run again or not. So anyway, these same girls, uh, one of them, came up to the porch the other day. And uh, so I opened the door. And she's like, do you want to buy some crystals? And I was like, uh, who? Now, I'm not like a crystals guy. I know this probably comes as a huge surprise to no one listening to this, unless this is your first time listening. Um, in which case, you're welcome. I recapped that entire story for you. Everybody else who's listened up to this point, I'm sorry. You know, we got we to gotta consider every episode maybe someone's first, right? It seems very unlikely. I don't know why you'd start with like 400 something and just jump in. But you know, I try to make it accessible to a reasonable degree. But also, I think you're kind of stupid. Get used to that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not like a crystals guy. You know, I'm not like a, uh, I'm not an alternative medicine guy. I'm not like a, uh, tarot guy. I'm not a, uh, what do you call that shit? Sagittarius system astrology guy. I've noticed, I've noticed a, an astrology thing seems to be if, if people are very willing to listen to you about astrology, uh, congratulations, you're probably attractive. So that's good news. Um, cause I, I think it's what's, here's what's weird about astrology to me. I think people who are interested in astrology would take the amount of time it takes to learn about it and figure it out. And then what, you know, what is there to know? Versus like, if you're telling me, if I'm, you know, in my 30s and you're telling me how astrology works and I'm acting very, or, you know, I seem very interested. Wouldn't you ask yourself, like, I wonder why he's never looked into astrology whatsoever. <laughs> he's had his whole life. Oh, that's my very cool phone ring. Damn it. Hang on. Okay, I'm back. So this is why I need subscribers. I need I need a uh, secretary. Secretariat? Do you think my secretary would like being called secretariat? I bet it would be fine. Unless my secretary had been called like horse face before and then it would be more damaging. <laughs> more damaging for her than fun for me. Or him. I don't really hear guys called horse face, but uh, gotta be some horse face guys out there, right? Ugh, that just made me think that I'm probably a horse face, and that's why I haven't heard it, because everyone's saying it behind my back. Everyone's like, Ixnay with the horse face, say, horse, horse haste, whatever. Okay, so these kids are selling crystals, and I'm not into crystals. <laughs> Um, I don't really know what crystals are supposed to do or like, I don't, I don't know how you're supposed to use crystals. Like, do you just have them 
and then they do stuff. But if like you just have them, I mean, is it proximity? Like if I put one in my sock, if I had those shoes, do you remember those shoes from the nineties that had like a little zippered pocket in them that I don't, I, I don't know what you would put in those other than drugs. I mean, as a kid, I would have been like, this is an amazing idea. Even though when you're a kid, you're like, you know, having little hidey holes and stuff like, you know, you buy a book safe from things you never knew existed. Johnson Smith catalog, even though you have nothing of value to put in it because you're just like, I just like the idea of it. And then, uh, you know, a little zippered pocket on a shoe, just like the idea. So do you have to put a crystal in something like, like, do I need to carry the crystal around? Does it matter what I do? Like, do I crush the crystal and snort it? I, that that part of crystals, I kind of understand. Uh, ooh, this crystal is meant to give you energy. You crush it up and snort it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I guess crystals do work. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know about crystals, and I just, I don't care to learn. But these children were selling crystals. And I was like, I understand this. I understand the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so I went upstairs and got a dollar and two dollars and quarters because they were like crystals for a dollar. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll get two dollars and whatever. Now, Poonmaster Flex was like, you gave them two dollars. And I was like, I mean, whatever. You know, I don't need the $2. And she's like, well, what did you, you know, did you think the crystals were going to be worth $2? And I was like, at, at no point did I think this was going to be a good investment. I, I just thought, like, whatever. Basically, I was like, whatever. So I get back down the stairs and um, the one was at the door, the one girl. The other girl was kind of out in the street with a shopping basket, you know, like a plastic grocery store shopping basket so she brought it up to up to the front door while i was getting money and then uh i came out and saw that the crystals they were selling were landscaping rocks you know from where i live i think the one girl was out in the median picking picking out rocks and that's why she, <laughs> she was in the street um to their credit she had picked a lot of rocks and she'd picked some that looked vaguely like they had crystals in them or, you know, like quartz, quartzy looking stuff. So that's something. But yeah, so then, you know, I gave, I was like, well, I have $2. And she's like, okay, then you get two crystals. And then the other girl was like, no, it's a, a two for a dollar. So you get four crystals. And I was like, wow. And then they went back and forth because they disagreed on the math. And I think I ended up with three crystals. I'm making air quotes. I'm not actually making air quotes, but understand the spirit of air quotes is very alive every time I'm using the word crystals. I mean, on one hand, I'm not such a believer in crystals. So like, uh, you know, as I'm, I'm talking about these girls' crystals, and at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't think that these crystals are any more or less effective than other crystals. But hey, what do I know? I've never tried using a crystal. So for all I know, it's amazing. I, if there's a crystal that, uh, let's see, what would be the effect I'd like to have? Helps you not have heartburn at night. Is there a crystal for that? I'd be up for that crystal. Um, I don't have frequent nighttime heartburn, but occasional. 
And so if it could turn occasional into never, hey, that's a crystal. I'll take it. Um, any other, really any kind of crystal, I guess. If, if someone wants to recommend me a crystal that's not expensive, um, keep in mind, I'm used to paying a dollar per crystal or 50 cents per crystal or something. So, you know, my, my price range for crystals is uh, perhaps a little skewed from the average consumers, if I'm going to call myself that very generously. So, you know, at the end of the day, basically, I bought myself a minor chore of uh, taking these crystals into my house. You know, so I buy the crystals and then she's like, OK, you can pick them out of the basket. And she set the basket down on the ground. Um, and I was like, I mean, you you can just pick out some that look good. And she's like, oh, no, you know, you you bought them, you pick them out. And, you know, I, I didn't have the heart to be like, I mean, really, you could just take the two dollars. I don't give a fuck. But um, <laughs> so I picked some out. Poonmaster Flex was not impressed. We went for a walk later and she was looking at the landscaping rocks and she found one that was very sparkly. And she was like, why don't why didn't they get this one? This one's like, actually looks cool. And I was like, you know what we should do? We should start a competing crystal concern here in the, in the complex. And we'll knock on everyone's door and be like, all right, sell you this crystal for a dollar. Or we will sell it to you for $2. Um, and, or I'm sorry, we'll sell it to you for 50 cents. Um, if you, take this crystal and give us the crystals that those girls gave you and never buy crystals for them again. So you can get our crystals for half price, but only if you promise never to buy crystals from these uh, children ever. And uh, it's like, that's how we, we elbow out the little guy and we become the exclusive crystal dealer in our complex, which also sounds like a drugs thing and really isn't. But, uh, you know, the fact that there would be competing sales of landscaping rocks in our condo complex was very amusing to me. I felt like this was the best way to deal with it. Um, but, of course, didn't do it because, I mean, what well, I don't know from crystals. All I know is I would think it was funny to actually write the prices on them in permanent marker which would, I think, somehow negate the effects of the crystals, probably. But it would make it seem like I knew what I was talking about because they'd be priced differently. You know, like, ooh, this one's worth... <laughs> this is a valuable, valuable crystal. So today, uh, you know, we're kind of still going through our, um, our version of Pete's trying a bunch of different podcasts. So, you know, Helpful Snowman, we haven't really had much of a theme. Originally, we did a lot of advice. We did a lot of questions from Yahoo and Reddit and whatnot. And, uh, you know, that kind of faded with time because, uh, I, whatever, I just got tired of doing it, I guess. It was a lot of work. Also, like, how many times can you answer the question about basically, like, here's the way I was ejaculated into, can I get pregnant? The answer is always yes, by the way. If someone ejaculated into you, just assume the answer is yes. Also, 
I think that by nature of the fact that you're on Yahoo Answers asking if you could possibly be pregnant, the answer is, again, yes. If you're asking on Yahoo Answers and not asking a doctor, the answer is yes. <laughs> That's just how the world works, okay? Um, so then the last few weeks, we've been trying out some different podcasts, like just doing one episode of a podcast. So we had like, uh, you know, what if we did every Kathy comic strip, you know, strip by strip, stripping Kathy, Kathy's stripping. We did uh boy scout, cub scout one, you know, and, uh, today, uh, I'm pitching one called, uh, the lit reactor pitches that flopped. So what this would be is uh, every month, so I write columns for Lit Reactor, which you should go over there and read them and then share them. Share them more than read. Just fucking click and share them. It's not that hard. You don't have to read it. Anyone who tells you you have to read the things you share is a fool and is, you know, just having unrealistic expectations of you that no one should really have of themselves. So I write columns over there, and the way it works is every month... The editor sends out an um, email to all the, the freelancers who write there. It says, send us your pitches. I pitch things, and he picks the ones he likes. For a long time, I was pitching like three or four, and now I'm pitching like 12 every month because, uh, I don't know, I just have ideas, and I'm like, I'm just going to pitch all these ideas, and he can just fucking pick the ones he likes. And uh, that's the way it goes. So this means there are a lot left on the table. And um, there are so, so many. I have, I made a list of them. Of the ones I know for sure. And I have 65 column ideas. So, you know, if I did a, a podcast that was the Lit Reactor pitchers that, pitches that never were. Or the Lit Reactor columns that never were. That could work. But uh, I decided to pick one of these topics today, and we can do a one-off episode of this. So here we go. Um, the topic I wanted to pick was kind of, um, it was hard to, it's hard to describe. So it's hard to put into like a catchy title. And also, I don't think most people are interested in it. So my editor was right to not pick it. Many of, most of these, I look at and I'm like, he was right to not pick that. I wouldn't want to read that. I don't want, I don't know if I even want to write it. Um, although when and how I would have died in different Stephen King novels seems like a good one. But anyway, um, what I'm basically talking about is, uh, is there something inherent in a book based on the author? So in other words, like, let's say... Let's say Adolf Hitler had written a novel, and that novel had no outward appearance of, like, uh, Holocaust ideas or, you know, mass extermination ideas or invading Poland ideas or anything like that. It was just a novel about, you know, I don't know. It was basically like Little Women is how people would describe it. People would say, like, it's kind of like Little Women but written from a, you know, German perspective and uh, not as good, you know, it didn't get to classic status, has some, uh, has some third act problems and so on and so forth. 
So imagine something like that existed. I would think most people would take this as an object of fascination. But I think a lot of people would elect not to read it because they would think somewhere deep in their heart that like, well, this was created by Hitler, so there's some kind of imbued element of Hitler in it. And like, if I, if I read this, I'll be getting some sort of like Hitlerian um, aspect to myself. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be some kind of influence. It'd be like listening to a Hitler audiobook while you fell asleep. And you'd be like, what if I wake up and now these are my ideas, right? That's not something most of us want to go through. Um, and I think this is, a, you know, like that's the extreme example, of course, right? Like, you know, when you start with Hitler, where do you go from there? But I think this is something that I, I see playing out with like J.K. Rowling right now, right? Because she's saying things on Twitter that people do not like. And I think it's caused people to kind of go back through the Harry Potter books and say like, aha, you know, this is anti this or this is anti that. Now, I think this is pretty unlikely um, that these books are anti this or that, really. I mean, they may, you know, I, I guess I'm, I, okay, I've read five of the seven. So maybe seventh has, you know, some kind of, um, I don't know, gay bashing happening in it, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I would have heard of this. And like, I work in an environment with people who are very sensitive to these diversity topics and many, many, many people professed, uh, unbridled love for this series. So I would think that if it had this in any even remotely explicit way, I would know about it by now. Or I would have known about it before the out-of-text problems started happening, right? Okay. And so now people seem to be going back through it and quote-unquote unearthing, you know, the truth, quote-unquote, about what these books were doing. And I'm kind of of the belief of like, uh, let's just assume that what she's doing on Twitter is bad um, and a problem and that she's being a dick on Twitter. But um, I'm not necessarily of the belief that everything that she does is therefore imbued with that idea. You know, I don't think that her her Harry Potter books are secretly anti-trans in a way that maybe she doesn't even realize. That seems very unlikely to me. Um, and that seems odd. I mean, Harry Potter specifically, I think one of the biggest claims that you could make against it in terms of being like uh, entertainment is that there's like really no sexuality to it at all. And that is completely appropriate for a set of books that are meant for kids. And, you know, they grow up along with the kids, but I don't necessarily think that they require that. That doesn't seem like a big thing to me. So, you know, there's really, I guess if, if on the level of not mentioning much about sexuality at all, I mean, obviously then it doesn't, mention things like uh gender too often and it probably doesn't mention like gay characters although i seem to recall her saying something about dumbledore being gay 
you know, so whatever I get, you know, it's weird how you can go from being like this icon in this way to being the worst person in the same way. But um, I'm just not a believer that this is true. And here's here's the other thing about it. I think that like, let's say that, you know, somebody could show like a couple passages from Harry Potter and say like, these seem, these are interpretable as uh, moving forward an agenda. Well, all right. But they're so subtle that it's like you as the person, you as someone who analyzed it managed to uncover this. But it seems so subtle to me that I'm like, well, what, where's the line between something that can have a subconscious effect and something that has no effect? And how do you create something so subtle that it's not noticeable by like millions of people, but then is also effective in creating this sort of anti-whatever sentiment in somebody else, in a reader? So in other words how are you such a master manipulator of human emotion and human thought that you can subtly do this in like a written fictional narrative that, you know, everyone thinks is about a wizard boy, but is really about a political agenda. And like writing that line between having it be sort of anti something and creating that feeling in someone else and yet no one's aware that that's happening. That seems impossible to me. This seems at very least improbable and honestly impossible, in my opinion. It just doesn't seem realistic. It seems much more realistic that, uh, that this is a case of like, well, people see what they want to see. And so if you go on a fact-finding mission with the expectation that you'll find that, you know, Harry Potter is secretly anti-something, yes, things will probably pop out at you and you'll find it. You know, I always joked around when I was getting my English degree that it's like, well, look, if you don't know what to say about a piece of writing, just say something about how something represents sexuality. Oh, this represents a penis. This represents a vagina. Um, whatever. Done. You, you know, and you can just do that. And no one can question it because it's like, well, it's an interpretation. It's an idea. Um, and so it's like, well, what what is someone going to argue with you? No, it's not a penis. It's a this. But that's the thing. And then if you take that a step further as well, um, let's say someone could do this. Let's say someone could manipulate people to make them think slightly... Uh, to make them slightly transphobic. Let's just say that was possible. That they could do it in a subtextual way that no one would notice. And also that, um, you know, in translations to dozens of languages would still be effective, I guess. Even though the subtleties of those languages are not something that the original author could grasp. So they would have no idea, really. Um, and somehow that effect would still carry through? Question mark? But, uh, you know, whatever, somehow, somehow they're able to do this. Does, does it matter if they were able to make people think this way or feel this way? 
just slightly differently. You know, it changes my opinion on this issue 1% if it doesn't cause anyone to act on it. In other words, if nobody is like, you know, I was pro-trans rights before, but after reading Harry Potter, I've completely flipped and I'm not into trans rights. I don't know that that's happened. I don't know that anyone would make that claim. I think the only people who would make that claim are people who would say, well, this is like a normalizing da-da-da-da, and it's happening to other people without them knowing it. It's not happening to me because I'm smart, but it's probably happening to the many, many dumbs out there who don't know that they're being manipulated in this way. And at the same time, I'm curious as to who these people are that have been manipulated this way and why, why this would be happening. I would also propose that, you know, the world is, well, the United States for sure, I can't speak to the world, but the United States is becoming a more trans-friendly place as time goes on. And uh, right now, the generation that was raised on Harry Potter is like, probably in their late 20s, early 30s. Um, the generation that grew up with it and that it was like a complete part of the fabric of their life are adults now. And like they're voting and doing things in ways that make life better for trans people. So even if it was supposed to be that, it failed. Um, I think the biggest piece of evidence I have against this idea though is like, why would somebody like her need to do this subtle way of accomplishing this goal when she's just putting it on front street on Twitter all the time? In other words, if my goal was like, I'm going to write this thing to make people have transphobic sentiment um, and it's going to be disguised, if I was going to do all the work of disguising it and making it this very secret hidden kind of concept and so on and so forth, why would I then turn and uh, just start saying it blatantly? Like, wouldn't the idea be to change people's minds without them even realizing it? And then doesn't being blatant about it fuck that all up? I mean, it fucks up my entire, my entire plan. Like, that would, that makes no sense. And that's like the only thing that, you know, would be, that's the only kind of way that this plan works, I guess. But I, it makes no sense to me, to be honest. And to me, this whole idea feels like backwards, you know, and I'm just using Harry Potter as an example. You know, I think another example of this that we talk about a lot is something like um, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Like, Orson Scott Card seems like kind of a religious... Uh, homophobic guy. Um, but, you know, I read Ender's Game and it didn't... I didn't feel any homophobic messages in there. You know, I didn't feel... And I was aware of this guy's history and so on uh, going into the book. And so I was kind of on the lookout for it and just didn't see it. You know, I didn't see anything in this book that would make me... that was designed to make me feel a different way about gay people. Um, I think there's some element of this too, to things like, uh, books by people like Sherman Alexie or 
uh, Juno Diaz who were like, you know, caught up in um, Me Too type situations. And, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about their individual specific situations, but both of them wrote books that were often touted and listed as being these wonderful books. And, you know, they were from diverse voices and so on and so forth. And then these allegations kind of came to light. And so now we're in a bit of a quandary, right? Because it's like, well, can I recommend a Sherman Alexi book to people if he did this thing? And then I think that part of the problem is people start to see the book differently and think, well, if this guy who did these bad things wrote this book, maybe there's some feel of that in the book. Maybe anyone who reads the book will feel like uh, will be sort of subtly moved in the direction of feeling the way Sherman Alexi does about the world, including his views on what is and isn't acceptable behavior with women. I just don't really buy into that. I mean, I think that people can write things that aren't uh, about them. I think they can write characters that are not them. And I also think that, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that, like, a human person is way too complicated and complex to ever completely get into a book. Um, fiction or nonfiction. Like, you're never going to get the entirety of somebody in there. It just doesn't work that way. Like, life doesn't work that way. It's why, uh, you know, a person's life is X number of years and a book isn't going to take that long to read, right? Even if you had someone basically writing down every thought they had all day, every day, um, it wouldn't work. Like, you, that just isn't a thing. You'd have to create, like, some kind of weird artificial intelligence and it would create a stream of consciousness book of what was happening. But even then, it kind of brings me back to the thing I'm saying about, like, action and thought. Right? Like, what if somebody who was a great person and did great things had lots of horrible thoughts? Does that make them a bad person? Or does, like, denying doing bad things that they think of, is that better than not having the thoughts at all? Right? Um, and, you know, I'm not, I, this is getting too artsy-fartsy. So we don't need to answer that question. The point is, there are lots of different books that people feel this way about. And I think sometimes people feel kind of almost frightened of them. Like they feel like if I read this, what if I read this and then I agree with things or I feel the way, what if I'm manipulated into feeling a way? And I feel like this is the backwards masking of our age, which is that art or fictions or even nonfictions created by somebody who is a bad person will somehow make us into a bad person. And, you know, like the whole backwards masking thing is ridiculous because, A, it was completely unfounded, right? It was not something that bands were doing. Um, B, it's like, well, if you took a record and you played it backwards, which is a way it is not intended to be played, um, in order to seek out messages, um, that's supposed to prove something about the intent of the artist, <laughs> Which seems crazy to me, right? Um, if you've ever heard like backwards talking, like, you know, play a section. All right, maybe if I remember, I'm about to play a section of this podcast 
backwards. Okay. What did that what did that do? That sounds like nothing. The further the further idea to me is like, okay, so you have this idea of backwards masking. Maybe you play something backwards and maybe 30% of people hear what you heard because you set them up to hear that, of course. But then where's the leap for me is, okay, so people play this record, they hear uh, what sounds like normal talking, which turns out to be horrible things just reversed. And does that cause them to do something they wouldn't have done otherwise? You know, like, that's the step, that's the place where I'm like, well, even if... Well, so what if I was putting out a message uh, that's not good? If I'm just saying it forwards, how is that different than saying it backwards? And how is that, like, how is saying it backwards a more effective way to cause someone to do something? How is, like, how is subtlety the winning tactic here? That seems crazy to me. Um, you know, and, like, the ways that people do things with subtlety are much, much more uh, sinister but also, like, I think they're very obvious. You know, in, when someone's trying to send a message in a subconscious way, I think it usually fails. <laughs> the best way to send a subconscious message is to just make something that um, absolutely makes no sense. And then people will interpret it a number of different ways. Um, and there's nothing there to ground the original material enough to make a definitive statement about what it is. So if no one knows what it is and no one can say what it is, then it's the most open to interpretation and therefore I think is the best chance you have at sending a subconscious message that you can completely deny later. Harry Potter is not something that I would call highly interpretive. You know, it's not like reading Gravity's Rainbow or Finnegan's Wake or something. It's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So anyway, I don't know. I just, I think it's weird. I think it's weird to talk about um, the art and the artist there and, you know, the whole trust the art, not the artist thing. But to say, like, I think that this might cause, cause me to think or feel a certain way that I don't want to feel or that I don't want to think. And that that would happen in a subconscious way seems highly unlikely to me. And it borders on, like, the superstitious, in my opinion. Like, if you, I don't know, if you feel like you're so weak-willed that it would just work on, it would just cause you to feel a certain way. And yeah, I think we can look at people and say, like, oh, they watch this certain news station and they feel this way and they're being manipulated and blah, blah, blah. But I would say two things about that. One, I would say they probably come into that inclined to believe that way before they arrive. I think that the most manipulative thing is people being told what they want to hear. Um, and, you know, I don't know. How, how manipulative is that? I already forgot what the second thing is. That's the most important, I think. <laughs> I have two important points. Here's one. And uh, that'll do. 
But, you know, I think that they, they see what the, they just hear what they are inclined to hear. They see what they're inclined to see. And when when people go overboard in interpreting things, you know, when we talk about this sort of backwards masking that goes on, I honestly think that says more about the interpreter than the material. I think it's, you know, in literary cases, I think it's usually the interpreter trying to sort of assert their own intelligence most of the time. You know, when someone has a crackpot theory about like a book, especially, but, you know, if it's like a a classic movie or something like that, um, what is that, Room 227 or whatever, that kind of shit, I think that's usually the person who... Has it feels like they have a personal stake in showing everyone how fucking smart they are, and they're not, they're not really going into the project with an honest look at like, do I think this does X Y Z? They're going into it being like, well, if I have a theory and then I can prove it, that would be, that would show how smart I am, um, and it really has nothing to do with the material, and it has nothing to do with the audience for that material. You know, they don't give a fuck about, oh, what'll happen to the kids if they listen to, you know, Ozzy. Oh, my God. Also, if if uh, Harry Potter was, like, causing people to do anything negative, the world would be so fucked up. I mean, it would be so fucked. If there was any kind of subtle message in there that would, like, cause some kind of problem, boy, I think that would have manifested by now, and I think it would be very clear that this was happening. It's a little bit like, you know, when people would say, oh, you know, people who listen to Marilyn Manson uh, shot a bunch of people. But you're like, I mean, I guess so. But like two guys who listened to Marilyn Manson shot a bunch of people. Meanwhile, uh, two billion guys who listened to Marilyn Manson didn't shoot people. That boy, that sure seems correlative as opposed to a causative effect doesn't it? Or like, how many people play Doom? And then it's like, well, these Columbine killers play Doom. That must be what caused it. And you're like, I think that's reaching for an easy answer. And, you know, I think that's the biggest part of all this, like, backwards masking and literature thing, especially in fiction, especially, like, in children's fiction. Because, you know, I'm not talking about, like, a book where it's, like, Bill O'Reilly tells you how America works. That's obviously trying to point people in a direction, and, like, that is not something that you read expecting to, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I would read that with my guard up, and I don't think I would come out of it changed. And, like, I don't... I. I guess that's just not what I'm talking about. Something that is designed specifically to be persuasive and is persuasive on its surface um, really succeeds or fails in its persuasion, but then also depends on, like, is the thing they're trying to persuade you something that you are willing to discuss, or is it something that's, like, not on the table for you to discuss? But I guess that's the, you know... What I want to get to here is like, I think it's a very convenient and quick to reach for answer when we blame art for the problems of society. You know, when we reach for a video game or an album or an artist or a writer or somebody and we're like, well, look, things aren't great for this group of people. 
And look, this person is also not good for this group of people. Therefore, if we took Harry Potter books off the shelf, that would be a step in the right direction. And that's where I really disagree. You know, there's this great book that I've read, and it's called um, uh, What is Art Good For? I think is art good for us? Something like that. And basically the premise is, you know, this uh, lady was kind of doing a study to find out like what are the positive effects of art on people and blah, blah, blah. And she kind of, to her own surprise, discovered that like most of the research in this area is horrible and sort of came to the conclusion that like art isn't really meant to do anything. Like it's not, it's not going to fix society. But also, I think the best point she makes is that, um, you know, art did not cause the problems of society. Art may reflect the problems of society, but it certainly didn't cause the problems. And therefore, expecting art to fix the problems that it didn't cause is kind of dumb. I mean, if we as a society caused a problem, why are we expecting uh, novels about boy wizards to fix it? Or even even further, the elimination of a series of novels about boy wizards is going to fix this problem. Like, that is crazy thinking, right? And that's the thing is, it's like the easiest answer to reach for because it's the most uh, high-profile example of somebody who's against, um, like, trans rights in this case. Uh, so it's like something that we can reach for and say, aha, this must be what causes it. And that way we don't have to like wrestle with, you know, I think there's, this is a complicated issue and there are a lot of things causing this. Um, and there's a lot of this that's entrenched in people. And frankly, I don't know that we're going to have an answer. And that's, I think the hardest part to talk about is like, there might not be an answer to this. Like this might be just a thing. And uh, it might be like, well, you know, 30, 40 years from now when people who just can't hang with it are gone then it'll be gone but until then uh, we can't really control how people feel about it you know we can control how people act in the workplace and we can control how people uh you know assault each other and things like that i mean kind of uh, not really but kind of um but you know we can't really control how people feel about other people and that's just not realistic or uh, and maybe not desirable, but it's definitely not realistic. And I think trying to control art as a way to control people is asinine, in my opinion. I think that trying to control people through the control of art and, uh, and to sort of think like, well, if we don't have any art that expresses, you know, let's just say it, it is transphobic art. Um, that the elimination of that transphobic art would, uh, would be a step towards eliminating transphobia seems unlikely to me. And so, you know, obviously I'm not talking about a book here where it's like um, a pseudoscientific study about like, here are the problems with, you know, transgender lifestyle or something. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that like, uh, you know, maybe something that has a untasteful depiction of somebody. Um, I just don't think that eliminating that 
really solves our problem. And it seems like it's like, uh, you know, it's like when your car needs an oil change and it needs uh, probably some antifreeze in there and it needs new tires and it needs this and you take it to the car wash. And you're like, well, it seems better. It seems like it's better because the windshield is clearer. But uh, you haven't fixed anything. And this is just, you know, this will get you back home and everything. You'll still be able to drive around for the next week. But uh, long term, this is not the way to go. And that's that's how I feel about uh, getting so invested in the backwards masking in art. Is that I just feel like, well, we're washing the car. Um, but we're not fixing it. You know, it's only going to take us so far. And, you know, I, hey, that next week will be more pleasant, right? It'll be, it's more pleasant when you break down on the side of the road in a clean car. Sure. You know, you'll have less junk to take out of it when, when they tow it away. So that's a plus. But it doesn't really, you know, the better option is to not break down on the side of the road by doing the more difficult work now. Um, and worrying about washing the car later. So there you go. That's, that is a rambly-ass version of uh, that column that never was. But uh, now it kind of was, right? There, it kind of exists in some form. There was an idea I had one time that I didn't even really love, and it never got to be a column, but now it got to be a thing. I did a thing and made a thing. And there you have it. Um, so there you go. That's probably our first and last episode on this theme, but you know. If, if any of these themes that we've had, you know, whether it's scouting or uh, Kathy Comics or I hope it's not Kathy Comics, but whatever. Or, you know, this. Hey, we can do more episodes. You just let me know which ones you love. All right. See you next time. Asking the questions that nobody like who are the bone thugs and are they in home?